0: Your state. Your team. Your show. This is Sports Nightly. Banton handed the ball, looking, bounces it in. Teddy Allen's got it, races it down the floor. There's the horn. There's the game, and Nebraska wins it. Holy cow! The Huskers win their first Big Ten conference game on the road over Penn State, 62 to 61. Sports Nightly is presented by the NDOT Highway Safety Office, who reminds you to buckle up and put the phone down. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin.
1: The pulse is very slow tonight. That's what happens when you're frozen, right? Everything just slows down a little bit. This is unbelievable, Ben
2: McLaughlin. This is crazy what we've been dealing with the last 24 hours. Yeah, so I'm the type of guy that, like, and you know this about me, Greg. I'm not, like, a super weather-conscious guy. Like, you know, we'll we'll be in a hotel somewhere, and you'll be like, all right, well, make sure you have a jacket. I'm like, oh, I'll be good with what I got on. Like, I'm I'm always that type of person. So when I go to take trash cans out to the curb or, you know, I got to – quick you know, scoop just the you know, the back porch so the dog doesn't track in snow. Like I won't go layer up just to do that. I'll just do it with what I got on. I put the trash cans out this morning and T shirt and a shorts and it was miserable. <laughs> like and, and I and typically like if it's cold I'm like, oh, you know, that was that was a bit chilly. Glad glad I'm not out there any longer than I was. No, it was even I'm like, okay, if I ever have to go outside again today, like, I'm gonna go put some clothes on. Because it it is it's unbelievable how cold it is outside, and then yeah. you know when you've got power companies that are saying, you know, you're you're gonna we're gonna try and conserve energy because everyone's using, using up the energy in, in their houses to stay warm. It, it is brutal. Yeah, I mean I'm giggling here, but I shouldn't be. This is
1: dangerous. I mean, that we particularly tonight we're in danger category that if you are out very long with unexposed skin, you could do some serious damage. This is. It's that scary is what we're dealing with here. And, I, you know, I, we've had cold snaps before. I just don't remember a week-long cold snap like what we've been dealing with here. This is just – and then you back it up a few weeks where we just got piled on with snow. I mean, the, the last – 20 to 25 days have just been miserable around here so we're owed some good stuff and i know people were kind of saying before this hit in late january we're going to pay for it well we have and and then some it's just been crazy so be careful if you're out and about tonight uh it's going to get better tomorrow's a little warmer than today and then We do start to trend upward as we head toward the end of the week. So be careful if you're out and about here tonight. All right, here's what we have on the program for you. Coming up in a few minutes, Chris Bazin of the Lincoln Journal-Star is going to join us, going to talk about a Husker basketball team that I think has turned a corner with their performance the last couple games. We're going to get into that with Ben here in just a minute. So Chris will be with us later on in the hour. Hour number two, the chancellor from the University of Nebraska, Ronnie Green, is going to be here. Earlier today, he delivered his State of the University address. Today is actually the birthday for the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, the flagship university in the state of Nebraska. The chancellor outlined where we've been, where we're going, and we'll get his recap thoughts on that coming up in the second hour. We'll also go beyond the headlines in hour number two. And the third hour, Amy Williams will be with us along with Matt Kotney for our women's basketball show for the week. The Oscars have hit the hit some hard times, four straight losses for that team. We'll see what they can do to maybe reverse course here as they come down the stretch of their season. So that's what we have on the program for you tonight. Let's start with men's hoops. You heard the, the call of Kent Pavelka there in the open as Nebraska. Ben finally snaps that ugly, long losing streak with a road win yesterday at Penn State. Uh, they had to hang on to do it, but I don't care. It was a final score of both the Huskers
2: in front in that one. What would you make of the game? Yeah, I, mean, I tweeted right afterwards. Just good for those guys. Good for them. You know, they, they, and I don't know, for those that saw the clip, for those that didn't, there was a clip posted on, on Twitter of just the, Coach Hoyberg's message to the team after the game. And that's just exactly how we're all feeling. They deserved it. They deserved to win. You know, for how hard they've been playing, um, they deserve to come out on top and, and to be able to celebrate in the locker room. Uh, I think we all remember Teddy Allen just sprinting off the floor into the locker room with. Uh, exuberance excitement and you know <laughs> I, I was just so happy for them I I tried to stay you know even keeled my, my wife was working so I was um, you know at home by myself with our daughter who just turned eight months and I learned for the Super Bowl that shouting cheering booing whatever you're doing vocally um, she doesn't like that too much <laughs> so I was really trying to keep the emotions you know under control there in the last, you know, five minutes of the game. But, you know, you just got a sense that, you know, things were really going to ratchet up there with the run that Penn State was going on and, and also the, um, the cold streak that Nebraska was on offensively. And you, you just almost saw it coming, right? I mean, Penn State's going to – I think it was against Penn State not that long ago. They run a back cut right to the rim – uh, up at their place they lay it in we lose a close one You just almost saw it coming right um Trey makes the the unbelievable rundown block against the backboard Derek Walker with the two biggest defensive plays of the season so far on the last two possessions getting a steal and then getting the block on the last possession they were out some good luck the the cold streak came at the absolute wrong time but they were able to weather that storm and Good for Teddy Allen on the other end of the floor to, to get that to go down off the glass for the game winner and, you know, just kind of take in a, a win. And hopefully this kind of propels them in terms of confidence and, you know, they can go get a couple more.
1: You know, it, it really backed up, Ben, for me, what they did Friday night. We have not had we haven't had a chance to talk about the Friday night game. That was against sixth rank Illinois, where Nebraska was in position to win the game had a miserable final possession of the game. I think we would all admit that it was just it was awful. And you can even see the frustration from the head coach. He slammed his face mask on the court. But they went toe to toe with a team that I I believe is a final four caliber team. And you're like, whoa, okay, if they keep playing like that, they're gonna win some games. And then they did. And I, I, I see a lot more sharing of the basketball, making the extra pass with With this team over the last two days, I've seen very solid defense. And I heard Dave Redson on BTN last night say that since Nebraska came back over their game, since they came back from the COVID pause, that they're fourth in the league in defensive efficiency. So they're playing really good defense right now. They're playing hard on that end of the court. And when they can get some shots to go through, all of a sudden, Nebraska looks like
2: a pretty competent basketball team. When they're spacing, they're moving the ball, and they're making shots. I think you know all those things, um, you know, kind of coming together, and they look like a good like a good team at times. And and you're right. I you know I was worried going into that game with Penn State for for a bunch of reasons. Number one, we never play well in that building for whatever reason. We just cannot win in that building. I think it's been six or seven years since Nebraska has won in state college um so that that had me concerned and the other thing that had me concerned was how that game ended against illinois you just you just wonder greg you've lost that many in 26 straight conference games you lose a close one at home to illinois now you're going back on the road long trip to the east coast where you're going to be there for five days You're, you're getting ready to go play a back to back against maryland uh once that game's over you know there was just a lot of things that led you to believe this wasn't going to be a particularly good effort from the team. And I kind of prepared for that. And you maybe got that sense within the first couple minutes of the game because of Nebraska's first three possessions. They had three turnovers. Um, you know, I think that, that that's kind of what I expected. But Coach Hoyberg has said all along, this is a team that fights. This is a team that shows up every day prepared to work. They like each other. They like being around each other. And you have – I mean, I think at this point we have to we have to concede the fact that this team likes playing together. What what other reason do you have, yeah. you know, other than just your competitive nature, that these guys are willing to lay it on the line every single night when you're getting thumped like you are, you know? I mean, they have to love playing for each other. And I think based on what we're hearing from the interviews after the game and, you know, what media access we get, they really do. And, you know, as a coach, I you just – you have to be – thrilled with you know their their attitude and their effort every single day they touch the floor and to finally have and I, I think coach Hoiberg said it best Greg at in that, in that press conference you know we can only tell the guys you're so close or you're knocking on the door for so long you know th- that, that message you can only hear so many times and to actually see it come to fruition and and that they're going to actually win the game I think uh, I think was very important for their confidence and very important for their just mental psyche, you know, to get through the rest of this season.
1: Buckle up and put the phone down. That's a reminder from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. So the, the guys did not come back after the game last night. They flew right from State College to D.C. where they'll play Maryland tomorrow and Wednesday in this quirk of a schedule. So back-to-back games against the Terps. And I kind of feel good. I think Nebraska can go and – Get one uh, of this, and you talk about if they could go get one Ben and come home on a two and one road trip. I mean, that would be remarkable. Uh, I, you know, day off today. They probably maybe did a, a went did some light shooting today. I, I think that was the, the, the thought that that's what they would do today. But I, I got a feel that that's going to be kind of like a shot of adrenaline yesterday, and I I expect them to carry that into tomorrow night.
2: Yeah, I would too. I mean, I think that that trip, these the the recovery. The film prep, I mean, that's the other thing that we're not really taking into consideration here. Think about how much studying and film work these guys are having to do away from the floor. I mean, I think everyone's first intuition is, you know, how are their legs feeling? How's the fatigue factor? But there's got to be a mental fatigue here too when you're constantly going through scouting reports and, you know, working on sets and, you know, what the offensive game plan is, what the defensive game plan is, all while still trying to improve. I, I think all of that needs to be taken into account. So, you know, it's going to help playing the same team back to back nights because the personnel's not going to change. Um, most of the schematics aren't going to change from night to night, which I think is a is a boost to Nebraska. I think that's a benefit to Nebraska. But I, you know, may, all that stuff becomes easier if you win, and, and they and they got that under their belt. So, you know, instead of dragging out of another hotel bed. You know, today, maybe they were a little bit more excited about, you know, the prospect of preparing for another game and, a, and another chance to go compete and potentially, as you said, come home with another win, possibly too. Yeah. And it's, hey, it's hard to beat somebody back to back games, too. I mean, you got that in there.
1: And Maryland's not a world beater. I mean, they got good athletes. Mark Turgeon's a good solid coach, although. The Maryland people seem like he's on the hot seat every year with them, but they're basically a 500-basketball team. So I I think, hey, I'm, I'm really excited to watch this game tomorrow night with Nebraska again, 6 o'clock tip, 5 o'clock pregame coverage for both tomorrow night and Wednesday night. Uh, Husker Volleyball, they were just back on the East Coast, took care of business beating Rutgers in back-to-back games, did drop a set against the Scarlet Knights. I don't know, Ben. I, I don't know how good Nebraska is. I know they're good. But I don't know how good they are. I guess we'll fi- we'll find out starting this weekend, right, with Minnesota coming to town for matches on Friday and Sunday.
2: Yeah, and I think that's that's okay. I mean, Coach Cook always talks about the progression of how you want to play, you know, when, uh, you know, as the season unfolds, good, better, best, right? You know, and I think they're still kind of climbing that proverbial ladder, as you should be this early in the season. And, and that's okay. I mean, I'm remembering – you know, the national championship year when they're struggling down in Austin and they're playing, you know, nationally ranked teams and getting thumped and then all of a sudden, you know, a, a switch some, at some point later in the season flips and they're ready to just go. And yet, yeah, that, I mean, I think there's still plenty of time for this team to to get after it in that regard and, and, and to show their improvement. And I'm kind of with you. I don't know that they know how good they're going to be yeah. just yet. And, and that's still that's OK. There's still a lot of time left in the season.
1: Right. I mean, I, I last night I, I was flipping around on BTN and there was Penn State, and Minnesota, and they split. They played twice in the Twin Cities over the weekend. You know, they're upper echelon teams in this league. But Nebraska and, and John Cook will be the first to tell you. I mean, they've played. The bottom feeders. They've played Maryland, Rutgers, and Indiana the first three series. The first three weekends were supposed to have played Northwestern, but that got canceled because the Cats had a player that was infected. So Nebraska's done what they needed to do. They didn't get tripped up. They lost a set here or there, but didn't get tripped up. And so now here we go because it's it's Minnesota this week. It's Wisconsin next week. We are, we're fixing to find out as Doc Satter would say, about what Husker uh, the Husker volleyball team has in store. Again, that'll be a Friday night match and a Sunday late morning start at the Devaney Center for the Huskers and the Gophers. No show the next couple of nights because of Husker hoops. So play Maryland both Tuesday and Wednesday, 6 o'clock tips, 5 o'clock pregame coverage here on the network. And here to talk more about Husker basketball, Chris Bassett of the Lincoln Journal star, who I'm sure spent most of the day today cleaning his golf clubs. Was that Was that on the agenda today?
3: Got the got the broomstick out and looked at the swing in the mirror a little bit, Greg, just to see where I'm at here in, in mid-February. You know, it's
1: so hard for me this time of year because we're, we're looking out our windows at this. And then I, you know, I flip on the TV over the weekends and the guys are at Pebble Beach or down in San Diego or Phoenix. And I'm like, uh, to only be like that. Do you I'm sure you watch a little bit of golf this time of year, don't you?
3: oh yeah I was watching Pebble Beach yesterday I was actually thinking today you know this time last year Nebraska was playing baseball down at Baylor uh, on February 15th so that's That's a whole other topic for another day though but yeah it's it's pretty tough right now to to see Pebble Beach and some of these other places when there's a foot of snow on the ground here.
1: Do you think the Huskers
3: are going to play baseball
1: this year? I mean, I've heard a rumor they might play, but I I don't see any schedule anytime soon, so I don't know.
3: I'll believe it when I see it, Greg. That's that's for sure. It's it's got to be I'm 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 frustrated and I'm not even a part of the program, so I can't imagine how those guys are feeling. It's crazy, but I guess the
1: Big 10 may get some kind of medal or a, a ribbon for the way they've handled COVID. So they're they're playing that game, Jeez. I guess. So. Um, yeah, no kidding. What about this basketball team? I, you know, I, everybody's r- ramped up about yesterday, and, and rightfully so. They finally got in the win column. But I was really encouraged, Chris, with how they competed against Illinois on Friday and then to carry it in. What, what, what's going on? What are you seeing? Why, why have they made an improvement here in the last week?
3: I think it's a few different reasons. One, I think they're playing really hard, uh, especially on the defensive end. And we saw that, you know, against Illinois the other night. That's a game Nebraska probably should have won, um, certainly could have won. And they're not in that game unless they they play their tails off on the defensive end. And that that Illinois roster is so talented, and a guy like Kofi Corb- Coburn is just—it's almost impossible to guard for anybody, you know. And obviously, owe to some news one of the best guards in the nation. They have shooters around those guys, so. That's just such a a hard team to guard. And Nebraska did a pretty admirable job and gave themselves a chance. And then you look at the other games Nebraska's played – Every one of their opponents outside of Illinois has been held below 40% shooting. Penn State shot 32% yesterday. And and that's kept Nebraska in it when they were early on struggling with their offense. And and now they have seem to kind of find their footing a little bit on on that end of the court. So you hope the legs for Nebraska's players can kind of stay there and and keep allowing them to do that. But a lot of it comes down to just playing with really good effort and playing with an improved, I think, intensity and execution on the defensive end.
1: Yeah, you mentioned the defensive thing. I I heard Dave Revson on on Big Ten Network last night say that since they came back, Nebraska's like fourth in the league in defensive efficiency. That's going to help win you some games. And also sharing the basketball. They had a ton of assists yesterday. And I almost feel like Teddy Allen and maybe sitting that game in Minnesota allowed him to watch a little bit because it looks like to me he's even looking to make that extra pass. where I don't know that he was doing that, Chris, a, a month or so ago.
3: Yeah, I think you're right. I think I think that missing that game probably got Teddy focused on the right things and, and we saw it several times yesterday. He's obviously a guy that that can get his shot whenever he wants it, but you know, that's been one of the biggest changes to this offense is is Teddy and and, and a number of other guys too have stopped trying to force it into traffic and, and stopped trying to drive into three or four guys and then throw something at the rim and, and hope they get fouled. They're they're kicking it out to shooters and even if those shots aren't going in Nebraska's getting open shots because of that, and we saw you know Kobe Webster took advantage of that yesterday. He had a really nice game. We've seen Lat take advantage of that during the throughout this you know entire return to play, especially the last few games. Even though he wasn't didn't have the greatest offensive game yesterday, that's a product of of their teammates being more under control, being more aware of the situation they're getting into when they go into the paint, and making the right plays and the right reads. And what do we hear Fred Hoiberg talk about all the time with this team? It's make the simple play, make the simple play, make the simple pass and let the next guy make the play. And we've started to see that more and more, especially these last couple of games. And we saw it, probably at its best for those first 32 minutes yesterday when Nebraska had 19 assists and finished the game with 19 assists, I think on 25 field goals. So you just saw, you're seeing kind of what it's supposed to look like, I think, or what Fred Hoiberg would like it to look like, maybe with a little slower tempo than Fred Hoiberg would like, but with all those assists and with guys making the right plays and the simple plays that's leading to open shots. And if you get enough open shots, eventually those shots are going to start going down.
1: Getting busy with Chris Badzen of the Lincoln Journal Star, talking Husker hoops. Derek Walker made the the defensive play there at the end to preserve the victory. How big of an impact has he had? And and what do you like of his
3: game now that you've seen him for four or five games? Yeah, just a just a huge impact, and that's a guy that. Played in a really good program at Tennessee, a, a program that went to a Sweet 16 and was a whisker away from going to the Elite Eight. So he understands what it takes to to play at this level, and, and that's maybe as important as as his talent. And he's certainly a talented player. He he understands, you know, the preparation, the effort you have to play with, the the intensity you have to play with in a game like an Illinois game, or even when it when things get tight like they did against a Penn State game yesterday. And he's a great leader too. He's one of the most vocal guys on that team. He brings, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a cliche, but he brings so many of those things that that don't show up in the scorebook. And then you get to the end of the game yesterday and who's right in the middle of it. It's Derek Walker poking the ball loose on two straight possessions and Derek Walker, getting big and, and going vertical and guarding the rim when Nebraska absolutely had to stop. So that's a guy that, that's that been through it at a high level, understands the game at a high level and understands that you need to play at a high level if you're going to have success. And you can't have enough of those guys, especially when it comes to playing in the big 10. The
1: coach doesn't seem real happy, Chris, about having to play all these games. Uh, he, <laughs> he's made several different comments about that. Are you surprised? I guess we shouldn't be surprised with anything the big 10 does uh, during this pandemic, but your thoughts about what you've heard from him about this, this, all these games that have been thrown at this team in the last two weeks.
3: Yeah, it's. I mean, it's hard, right? We what do we hear all through the fall and when football restarts and, and into the winter with basketball It's. well? It's about athlete, student athlete. It's health and safety. It's about health and safety. It's about making the right decisions in health and safety. And then you have Nebraska come off a 27-day a COVID pause and you throw seven games at them in 12 days. That doesn't seem very healthy or safe to me. And, look, they're college kids, and I think all those guys would tell you they want to play games, and they'd rather play games than practice. But, you know, Lat Mayan admitted it the other night. It's hard. You've you've got to recover. It's it's one thing to go practice hard and, and have a tough practice, and but it's completely different to go play in a game and, and have to expend the kind of effort you need to expend in a game and to, to have to keep doing it over and over and over and to have to, you know, in Nebraska's case, you play a really tough, draining game against Illinois, and then you get on a plane less than 12 hours later and fly halfway across the country and do it again, and then you hop on another plane after that game and you're going to play it on back. You're going to play again on back-to-back nights. It's tough, and it would be tough on anybody. It would be tough on Michigan. It would be tough on Ohio State. It would be tough on, you know, Penn State or Northwestern. It doesn't matter who you are. That type of schedule's hard, and it's especially hard, I think, for a team that that had to sit for so long and couldn't do anything. You know, and we'll see. What Michigan's schedule looks like going forward here as they come out of their own COVID pause. They played their first game yesterday and, and they're gonna have to make up a bunch of games over the next three weeks too. So if, if they have to go through it then you'll have a couple teams in this conference trying to trying to just blast through a bunch of games to, to get to twenty. But but yeah, at the end of the day, when you hear the Big Ten and you hear Kevin Warren talk about health and safety and those sorts of things, those words maybe ring a little bit hollow hollow when you see what Nebraska's having to go through right now.
1: Yeah, totally agree. Again, visiting with Chris Bads of the Lincoln Journal Star here on Sports Sunday. The Huskers picked up a road win, a win and a road win yesterday sixty two sixty one over Penn State. Um, you've covered this league for a while; it's it's incredible, right? And how much is it hard to judge where Nebraska is because the league may be at its apex uh, with teams right now?
3: Yeah, it's it's. It's really good, and then that's we're not breaking any news by by talking about that. It's as good a league as there's maybe been in the last you know twenty years mm-hmm. um and, and there's certainly some other leagues up there, the big twelve a few years back, the big east a while back having had got you know eleven or twelve teams in the ncaa tournament. but this league is just so good and, and we talk about the depth of it and anybody can beat you at any given night, but Look at the top. You know, Michigan and Ohio State are both projected as number one seeds right now in the NCAA tournament. Illinois is projected as a two seed. Iowa is a top four seed. You know, there's there's all kinds of teams that are capable of making runs in the NCAA tournament. Now you have to go out and do it and, and all those sorts of things, but it's just so hard. And we've seen Nebraska play some of these teams very well. They took again. They took an Illinois roster that might be the most talented in the league to overtime the other night. They've they've played. Hard and they've played teams tough. And look at Michigan State this year. That's a team that's always a traditional power, and they're they're down there at the bottom of the standings right now. Just because if you have any kind of weakness, it's going to get exploited in this league. So, yeah, it's tough to gauge where Nebraska is. I think obviously the record's not where anybody wants it to be, and I think we all expect it to maybe be a little better, and that that's fair. I think, but at the same time you got to realize too, this league is so good and it's so deep. And again, it's, it's any team on any night could jump up and get you. And that's, that includes Nebraska. It includes Northwestern. It includes anybody else. You, you've got to be ready to play every night and you've got to be as close to full strength as you can be every night, or there's a real good chance you could get beat.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with you. And I'm glad to hear you say that because I, you know people ask me all the time, well, the, the program's not making any progress, and I'm like, well, it's hard to grade progress because they're playing such good teams every night. I think if this was a normal year in the Big Ten, Nebraska would have a couple of more wins than they do right now. Are they an NC tournament team? Probably not. But they may not be as far away as some people think, and and I, I just I hope they can finish with a bit of a flurry here, and I think there's a chance of of doing that as well. All right, we'll let you get back to those golf clubs, or either that or putting another log on the fire, and um and maybe maybe by the end of the week we'll have a baseball schedule that'll make us all feel a little warmer.
3: Let's hope so, Greg. I'm I'm ready to get out <laughs> to the to the ballpark and and hang out with my favorite announcer again. And-
1: and wouldn't it be nice to let some fans through the gates for those games, too? I mean, I, but I don't... Do you, wouldn't it be?
3: What, uh, are, are we really positive about that happening, though?
1: No. I mean, isn't that crazy, though? <laughs> I, I just yeah, no, I don't get it. I just don't get I why don't the, get why the yeah, league I, is
3: doing that. And, and we talk about the basketball schedule and and what's baseball probably going to do? Play a conference-only schedule, you know. So it, it's it's just insane the way the way they're going about it and the way it's probably going to look. You just you just wonder how these decisions are getting made.
1: I'm telling you that I think they they think they're going to get a, a ribbon or a trophy for the way they handle this at the end of it. Uh, that's when <laughs> they're acting crazy. Chris, we well, maybe, maybe we you. can
3: send them one. Maybe that'll make them feel better. <laughs> Thanks, Greg. Yeah,
1: yeah, you bet. A real treat coming up here. Shortly as the chancellor from the University of Nebraska, Lincoln, Ronnie Green, going to jump on board with us here. We'll go beyond the headlines later on in the hour. Can't wait to see what Tim and Brett have cooked up for us. And we'll have some open phones later on in the hour. Coming up in hour three, it's our women's basketball show for the week. Amy Williams, Matt Coatney will talk Husker women's basketball. They've had a rough stretch here, losing yesterday to a very good Maryland team at PBA. But winning yesterday... Was the men's basketball team as Fred Hoiberg's guys get the get the job done at Penn State, sixty-two, sixty-one, and that's a that's a nice little intro for you there, Chancer. You come on right after a Husker men's win. Maybe we need to get you on more often. How about that?
4: Yeah, yeah I guess. And it's great to see our <laughs> men win. Great to see them win yesterday, yeah. and to to get that that notch. Um, uh, very excited for them, and, a, and a, a good weekend in a lot of ways for Husker athletics. Um, with volleyball doing well and and with our men's gymnastics team um, having a winning meet, uh, you know, track and field, having some good things happen over the weekend, and George Kush re breaking his own record in the mile this weekend. So uh, just great to see now there are 11 teams that we have competing in the expanded field, you know, the move of volleyball to the spring and kind of condensing of a lot of things into this time of year for uh, the winter and spring. Uh, so just just excited to be able to see us being able to compete and our student athletes being able to compete, our fans to be able to cheer them on, although from a distance, being able to cheer them on uh, as they compete during this time that we're in. And, and you know, on top of all of that, uh, you know, we... We always have a lot of interest in Husker football, but it was certainly fun to see so many Nebraska connections to the Super Bowl with Nagamakan mm-hmm. and Levante. And um, you know, it's I've developed a, a good friendship with Nagamakan over the last couple of years. So great to see them now wearing a Super Bowl championship ring um, from the Super Bowl uh, last week.
1: Yeah, it was fantastic. Well, you have had a very busy day. Earlier today, you presented the state of our university. What were some of the highlights that you threw out for folks to hear?
4: Well, we certainly, uh, Greg, kind of reviewed 2020, and, you know, we, we we give the state of our university address every year on our birthday, which was today, February fifteenth, eighteen 1869, was the founding of the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. So this is charter day, as we call it. And we started a few years ago giving the state of our university address on this date or as close to it as we can in the week. Um, A lot to talk about, obviously, with how we have navigated the pandemic, how we have navigated some of the social unrest that we've seen, um, how we have really excelled as an institution. And I really spent time talking about that, how we've had pandemic immune momentum in a lot of ways and how proud i am of all of our faculty staff and students who have continued to achieve even under these very um, limited conditions if you want to think of it that way that have been placed on all of us due to the pandemic we we bucked national and regional trends of double digit inclo- declining enrollments in higher ed where we held our enrollment at unl only with a small decrease in international enrollment you can have Kind of anticipate the year that international students have had and some of the challenges they've had um, to be able to maintain that level of enrollment has been phenomenal for us uh, we were able to expand our offerings both in summer school last summer where our enrollment was up eight percent over previous years and expanded opportunities for our students to continue to move towards their degrees We had our third largest graduating class in history during the biggest public health emergency in the last 100 years. That's something that we certainly are celebrating. And then most recently, you know, when we changed our schedules to accommodate greater safety uh, and and to limit travel from not having Thanksgiving break and Christmas break, uh, finishing prior to Thanksgiving in the fall, gave us the opportunity to have three uh, week sessions, one in December and one in January before we restarted spring semester, what we've called, uh, taken to calling our winter session. And nearly 4,000 of our students took over 10,000 student credit hours of coursework during those sessions. So just the level that we have seen our university up its game during the, the time of the pandemic was is, is special, and we celebrated that a little bit in the the state of the university today. The fact that we were the the most in-person, have been the most in-person educational institution in the Big Ten. Um, We've celebrated that under the conditions that we have. Uh, We also uh, talked about how we've continued in our scholarship as an institution. Uh, We set another research record this past year, even in a pandemic. So moving forward in that arena in a way that's been wonderful. And we also announced for the first time publicly, building on our in 2025 five-year strategic plan that we really unveiled last year in the state of the university address, a five-year strategic plan for UNL, seven grand challenge areas that we're going to focus in in the time ahead, Uh, for UNL and our research and scholarship and creative activity. Not the only things that we'll do. We're a comprehensive research university, but putting special emphasis in these areas that are important, big problems to Nebraska and the world as a whole. So announce those publicly in the state of the university. um, Things like sustainable water and food security, early childhood education and development, climate change mitigation and resilience and quantum science and engineering. Four areas that... UNL has been known in historically as an international leader and will continue to build and grow those even further, but also things like health equity, anti-racism and racial equity, and science and technology literacy for society, areas that we need to be engaged in, in moving forward as an institution. So very excited about that, excited about the process that our faculty and staff went through this past year to identify those grand challenge themes for the institution moving forward. Um, So just a a wonderful opportunity to talk about the momentum and the progress that the university has. Uh, I said at the end of the address that I believe that our best days lie ahead for UNL and and our history immediately lie ahead of us because of the leadership role that we have had nationally in higher ed during this pandemic. Uh, So um, uh, very pleased, a fun day, even though it was uh, a virtual event and it was colder than all blue blazes, as <laughs> they would say where I grew up, uh, it was great to um, to be able to share that event and mark our birthday, our 152nd birthday of the flagship university for Nebraska.
1: Very good. Ronnie Green with us here on Sports Night of the Chancellor for the University of Nebraska, Lincoln. On our show, Ronnie, we talk a lot about rankings in sports, and I know the same is true for college programs. This time of year, we tend to hear about some new rankings of online programs. Have we got some of that information, and how did Nebraska do?
4: Well, we do, Greg, and uh, we continue to see some some, uh, high-level rankings for our programs, uh, including two online master's degree programs that were ranked among the top 25 programs nationally uh, by U.S. News and World Report. Our online master of business administration, the MBA, online MBA program jumped five places from last year to be ranked 17th among online MBA programs nationally. That's a pretty good company that we're in um, and amongst the very best in the Big Ten. So we're we're very pleased about that and the continued excellence in our College of Business and the online MBA. And our Master of Engineering Management degree also moved up up two places uh, from last year to be ranked 21st among programs across the country. So both of those faring really well in the U.S. News & World Report national rankings for online programs. Both programs, as I mentioned on the MBA a minute ago, compare very favorably among the Big Ten and public universities more generally. The online MBA ranked fourth amongst the Big Ten universities, uh, and the online master's in engineering ranked sixth. And if you know a little bit about the Big Ten, one of the, the characteristics of the Big Ten is it contains some of the very best business colleges and colleges of engineering in the country. So to be ranked that highly in these online programs is something to be quite proud of. Our MBA online ranked 13th among online MBA programs offered by all public universities across the country. Uh, There's 262 of those public universities in the country. And our Engineering Management Online Masters ranks 17th among online programs offered by all public universities. So just great examples of the world-class education that our students are able to receive here at Nebraska Um, and very pleased for both the College of Business and for Nebraska Engineering in these latest rankings.
1: That is fantastic. I imagine that interest in those online programs, Chancellor, has gone up during COVID. How has the pandemic affected the ways that the university helps students connect with potential employers?
4: Well, and and Greg, you you mentioned uh, that we have seen increased online enrollment as well. We've continued to see growth in online enrollment. Now, these two particular programs we were just talking about are graduate programs, master's degree programs. But we've also continued to see online enrollment increase annually at a pretty fair clip in undergrad programs as well. Uh, at the university, and we continue to see that this year, not just because of COVID-19, but uh, organically uh, uh, on its own as well. And then relative to employers and, and matching of students up with employers in the career fair uh, kind of environment that we have, we have a very robust career fair process uh, at UNL each semester. And of course, last year, uh, last fall, we shifted to an online format for that to accommodate the pandemic, and it turned out to be a huge success for us, drawing nearly 2,000 of our students, more than 200 employers from across the state, the region, and and the country. And we're now gearing up for a second round of those virtual fairs uh, coming up here very quickly. Um, you know, the 23rd through the 26th of February. So, what we continue to hear is both from students and employers, uh, is that this is a really convenient, easy way to connect and learn about opportunities. You know, there are some silver linings in this pandemic and one of the silver linings is some of the things we're doing remotely are convenient and easy in that, in that way. And this, this has turned out also to be one of those. Uh, during our, our fairs last fall, we logged over 6,400 unique student employer interactions In those 2,000 students and 200 employers. Um, And it just makes for the ease and convenience of that for employers and for students to be able to prepare questions ahead of time to really think about how they uh, have that interaction as well. Uh, When a recruiter, as we know, recognizes and knows you on a first name basis, it can do wonders for the job search. So uh, so we're pleased. That we're doing all that we can to help our students find and connect with careers and to succeed in that employment marketplace that is important for them as they are working to finish their degrees. And I, and I should just mention, in, as well, here, Greg, I, I, I've been working with our commencement committee. You know, we haven't been able to have live commencements um, over the last two cycles in last May and then and in August and, and in December. But we are thinking about and hoping that we will be able to have a live commencement in May. And in planning for that, uh, we have learned that you know we are expecting, based on our numbers, to see a record graduating class for the institution. We thought three uh, two years ago when we had the record-setting class that graduated in May of 19 that that. Um, That was going to be our peak class for the next several years, but we have exceeded that based on a lot of students speeding up their completion of their degrees through the time of the pandemic like I was talking about earlier, by taking additional courses and then additional terms that we've been able to offer. So looking forward to a record graduating class in May. And just to put a little bird in the hat here, we're actually talking about potentially doing that as a uh, commencement ceremony in memorial stadium to have the opportunity to reward our students in this time of covid um, and everything that they have been through this past year um, um, hopefully we can figure out how to make that happen and be in conditions in may that will allow it to happen
1: well that that's fantastic and i, I, I mean, people would be thrilled to hear that that's at least on the table right now as you sit here in mid-February. Chancellor, thank you so much. Happy birthday to the university. Great job today on your state of the university, and we certainly like getting the chance to catch up with you from time to time.
4: Well, appreciate it, Greg. And, again, uh, just a shout-out to all of our student-athletes. And I said this in the state of the university today to our student-athletes and their coaches and their staff, Sadie Bill Moose and his leadership team, for everything that Husker Athletics has done to navigate this time. It's been tough. Uh, it's been hard, um, you know, the level, just even the level of intense testing and safety protocols that our student athletes have gone through uh, is, is a real testament to their commitment, their dedication and their, their perseverance, perseverance and resilience. And my hat's off to them for, for everything that they have done to make the best of the conditions that we've had. So looking forward to, to the rest of the season.
1: There you go. Chancellor, we appreciate it. Thank you.
4: You bet. Go Big Red.
0: That's one small step for man, one diaphragm leap for mankind. Five seconds left in the game. It's Do you believe in miracles? Yes!
5: And that's the way it is. Good night. Beyond the Headlines.
6: Well, Mr. Brett Witte and I have put our collective brain power together and whipped up the seven best headlines of the day, slash weekend, slash weekend past week and beginning with former NFL star Terrell Owens he's back in the news for refusing to go to the Pro Football Hall of Fame in an interview we did with Newsday Owens revealed that Calvin Johnson's induction as a first ballot Hall of Famer uh, as a player who never won a playoff game and spent just nine seasons in the league uh, when it took T.O. three tries to get into Canton that obviously upset T.O. Uh, and to the point where he doesn't even want to go to the Hall of Fame anymore so does, does Terrell Owens have a point about the Hall of Fame process, or is he just being kind of a whiny baby? To put whiny it. baby, yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean he's
2: certainly uh, breaking precedent, right? <laughs> of going, um, yeah. Uh, apparently, if you know, if it's not his quarterback, then he doesn't he doesn't care much. So, whatever, you're old news, dude. Yeah, I mean yeah. I hate guys like that 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 are great players on the field, and and Terrell Owens had all kinds of issues. Throughout his career, right? The push-up thing and, you know, that's my quarterback and the Dallas star thing. You know, like, that's fine. He's a great player, but I just really hate when your entire reputation of a player just goes away because of, you know, one or two incidents in the end zone or even more so after they're done playing. Like, you're starting to ruin what you were like as a player to a lot of people because of how you're acting right now that's too bad yeah well Can i guess stiff sorry ahead, go ahead great
6: well i was gonna say the, i guess the to be the, the, take the most charitable interpretation possible is you know is it okay to display favoritism towards players who may have had lesser on-field production but uh were maybe better human beings than say uh mr to does that make sense the way i laid it out i don't know just is it okay to discriminate essentially based on personality basically
0: well, that's
1: what he feels like it is. He feels like he's been discriminated against, and that's why he wasn't a first-ballot guy. But he got in, and, and he, he stiffed True. the ceremony. He didn't go when everybody else in his class was being enshrined. He is in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Who cares if you went your first year, your second year, your third year on the ballot? Who cares? You are in. Your accomplishments have been recognized. Go go be a part of it. Go embrace that instead of trying to stiff-arm everybody.
2: Crazy. Yeah, and like I said, it's one thing to, to have your fans – you know, have fans think of you a certain way. But think about how many great players in that Hall of Fame fraternity that are now going to isolate him who may not have known a single thing about him, but now, you know, don't respect him at all for his decisions.
5: Yep, yeah, weird situation there. Uh, next topic by now, most people have probably seen the viral video of Tom Brady, a.k.a. the GOAT, tossing the Lombardi trophy across the water to another boat during Tampa Bay's Super Bowl boat parade. It was a fun video capturing a more lighthearted side of Tom that we're not used to seeing, but not everyone was laughing. Lorraine Gross, the daughter of the silversmith Greg Gross, who helped make the first Lombardi trophy, was outraged by Brady's reckless handling of it. She said she didn't sleep for two nights after viewing the video and yeah. asked for a personal apology for the disrespect Brady showed. Uh, now, does Tampa Tam, owe Lorraine an apology, or should uh, Karen show, uh, lighten up there <laughs> a little bit?
1: <laughs> Absolutely not! This is ridiculous. I heard this story today. <laughs> the daughter of the guy who made the trophies upset. Whatever. She just doesn't <laughs> she didn't like sleep Tom for Brady. Two days. Yeah. She doesn't like. To- it's more. She doesn't like Tom Brady. That's what it that's is. Nice. It's not. It has nothing to do with the, the 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 trophy and it being tossed. She doesn't like Tom Brady, and that's what it is. Come on. Well, it's you know, ridiculous.
6: What What's happening here? And I'm I'm treading. I'm trying to tread lightly, but a lot of people. Um, you know feel that the only reason they'll be heard is if they go for the most ridiculous over the top aggrievement narrative as like you didn't just hurt my feelings i am physically distraught over what you did like when she's saying <laughs> i didn't sleep for 40 I, like you got to be kidding me like i can i can understand maybe you have some sentimentality over the like image you know iconography of a trophy or whatever but if you're like i physically am emotionally distraught because I saw a video of Tom Brady tossing a trophy that that seems to, to enter into like unbelievable territory there I, I don't I don't I'm not sure I'm buying what she's selling
5: well you know one if thing I, I didn't hear I didn't hear too much from her two years ago when Rob Gronkowski used the the Super Bowl true. trophy as a true.
2: baseball bat and got a baseball size dent in it so <laughs> yeah I, if I were to make a list of NFL players from most favorite to least favorite I would have put tom brady probably in the bottom three and that and that and i don't even feel that way like it's absolutely ridiculous that that's that this is a thing that this is a story and (laughs) it's kind of funny no tom brady does not owe her a personal apology maybe for you know maybe for uh you know apologizing for taking so much of her you know energy away from her but not not for the act of tossing a trophy to a teammate
6: uh, yeah, well, too bad we don't have Top Ten Tuesday tomorrow, so we can't get Ben's, like, Top Ten Most Hated Athletes of all time. I would I would enjoy that. Uh, well, already spe- done it. Yeah. True. Uh, well, speaking of the grace of all time, uh, the debate over who should actually be considered the goat of all goats has been raging on uh, with a conversation on Twitter, at least, mainly focusing on Michael Jordan and Tom Brady. But uh, Bill Russell has now staked his claim on his Twitter account for consideration to be declared the greatest of all time of the greatest of all times uh, posting a picture of him wearing his 11 championship rings kind of in that style of MJ uh, with that famous photo of him with his, his six rings I believe it was on um, so I guess I, the question is to you guys uh, does Bill Russell with his 11 NBA championships deserve to be named the greatest of all time of any sport for all the success he had or is it someone else entirely
2: I, I just don't care. Like, why are we comparing th- things like this? It just drives me crazy. He's like, fun
6: killer.
0: There
2: there. There's no way to say that this person's better than that person, who's better than that person. Like, I think every era is different. Every sport is different. It, like, why can't we just enjoy the fact that we're watching one of the best professional athletes to ever do it go through his run? Like the the whole MJ Lebron thing annoys me. Like. Like, why, why do we have to sit here and compare it? You know, why can't we? And, and Kobe was that way too. Like, I, I wasn't a Kobe fan when he was a player, respected the heck out of him, but he's always said that don't compare me to anybody else. Like, let's just, you know, enjoy what we're watching and seeing here. Um, and so Kobe was never really involved in any of those debates because he tried to put the kibosh to it. That just really gets under my skin. Like, that's such an ambiguous argument. Nobody's ever, it's all personal opinion and. Nobody's gonna be, ever be able to, you know, distinguish one or the next. It's just you're you're gonna spin yourself around in a circle.
1: Boo. Yeah, I tend to agree. I mean, it, it's fine if you want to talk about guys within the same sport, but cross sporting it, that's just. That's. I mean, there's no way to do that. It's just, just enjoy the guys for what they are. Joy Brady is, as an amazing quarterback, and I think right now there's no question he's the the best quarterback to ever play in the National Football League. So let, let's do that. Why try to cross pollinate him with NBA guys or golfers or
6: boxers or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that's that's disappointing. You guys are taking like this like uh postmodern like what's is there even truth man? Like kind of approach to it. Like I don't know. Tim, what do you want me to say? I well, mean, it's either that or I bury Tom Brady. So where do you really want
2: me to come by? <laughs> well, I don't, yeah,
6: we won't have you disrespecting the the goat, well, the real goat. The real I mean, answer was just Tom Brady. I think I believe in objective truth, Ben. So the, uh, there's no doubt that the cheater is on the list. There's no <laughs> doubt <laughs> that he's on that list, yeah. but is he the I mean, I mean now nah, <laughs> we we, we got to get on to the next one. Oh time. yeah, I'm already getting hot on the collar. Let's it back to Brett before things get out of hands
5: oh gosh all right topic number four here the re- Let's try to get back on the tracks although the NFL season is over there's still some gridiron action to watch in the coming weeks the new fan-controlled football and indoor football <laughs> league where fans call the shots made its debut on Saturday night Fans helped call the plays, helped to design the uniforms, and even made some of the rules like making the opening coin flip into a rock-paper-scissors battle. Even 2012 Heisman Trophy winner Johnny Manziel is involved quarterbacking the Zappers franchise. The FCF will play three more games Saturday nights or three more Saturday nights before entering their four-team playoff. Uh, Do you guys have any interest in the fan-controlled football? (laughs) I have interest on Twitch.
2: I'm not, yeah, they? I'm not. sure where they did it. Yeah, I think so. Um, I have interest that Marshawn Lynch is commentating, and I can't repeat some of the things that uh, <laughs> he said on the broadcast. But yeah, I mean, it, it, it. I saw some of the highlights. It's pretty hilarious, you know the, the the plays that they run, the kind of the style of it, and you know that yeah, the fan like like Brett said, the fans controlling some of the rules and whatnot the uniform the zappers I mean this it's terrible what a, what, team names yeah just a weird <laughs> it was just a weird deal but I did catch some of the highlights and I did catch that Marshawn Lynch was doing some commentating I'm you know people always ask that question you know what's your spirit animal mine's my answer is always Marshawn Lynch <laughs> like that dude I just love everything about that guy and, and everything
1: that he does yeah. Let me slip in that you need to buckle up and put the phone down, a reminder from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. But, you know, Johnny Manziel, I think we had a buy-sell question about would Johnny ever take another snap in the National Football League. I think we can answer that now. <laughs> I think yeah. we know the answer to that thing now. There's no he up looked, on the zappers. He, he looked out of shape. He looked... Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's ready for the after party. He's ready for the beer
6: afterwards. I mean, yeah. fine. he's fine. That's what he does. He's three football leagues below where he needs to be right now. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Fair. Um, all right. But this next one, inspired by a recent top ten we did, uh, in an interview with TMZ, Adrian Peterson revealed that he wanted to continue to play into his 40s. The running back's going to turn 36 in March. Uh, the last time, though, AP rushed for 1,500 yards, and the season was all the way back in 2012. Uh, Peterson, of course, he's looking for a new team right now. Uh, Do do you guys think he has five years left in him? And uh, if he does, uh, where do you think he would rank in that pantheon of that that top 10 we did uh, of of athletes that played into their 40s, if if you think he would be in that running, so to speak?
2: Well, again, I think it depends on your criteria. If it's playing after 40, his roles just aren't aren't even close to the same. If he's going to a team with – you know, a similar type of role where you're going to go be a goal line back and maybe get five carries a game. Absolutely. He can play another five years, but you know, he's not the same guy. He, he can still, you know, punish you a little bit, but I think he's still good enough to play in the NFL, but no, he's a shadow of himself from what he was and that, that record breaking season. And I'm sure there's a team out there that'll probably, you know, could, could use the notoriety, use the, you know, kind of the, the pub for signing him, but Five years is a long time from now, and he's doesn't have a lot of tread on the tires today.
1: Nope, won't make it. I mean, it's just too far down the road for him. Great, great athlete, um, and yeah, if he got there, Tim, I think you'd have to consider. But I just don't think that's going to be. I don't think that's going to be a case. You shocked me when you said the 2012 was the last time he did that. That's that's pretty amazing. Um, love watching AP run, but I think the days are numbered.
5: All right. Topic number six, former New England Patriots wide receiver Chris Hogan is making a career change. According to ESPN's Adam Schefter, the 32-year-old is moving on from the NFL so he can join the premier lacrosse league. Hogan played lacrosse at Penn State. He's just the latest in a long line of pro athletes who have tried to switch sports like Tim Tebow and a few decades ago michael jordan lolo jones from track and field the bobsledding who are uh, some of the most noteworthy multi-sport athletes in your guys opinion and uh, which current athlete do you think will be capable of playing multiple sports like that well bo jackson's got to be right to it yeah, at the top of the, the list yeah. right i mean All way time. way
1: he was able to succeed in baseball and all-star in both sports baseball and the national football league and what the second part of that was what current athlete could do that yeah yeah, it, yeah
6: That one of mine and uh, why is it tom brady
2: no. Jan, what, what,
6: what other sport could he play?
2: Seriously, Cur- Curling? What,
6: chess. Yeah, there you go.
5: Ping pong? Curling. Curling. Maybe, Maybe badminton?
2: not be a good chess player. Got a good wingspan. Giannis. Giannis. <clears throat> Giannis Antetokounmpo could be a, a serious candidate yeah. to put on some pads and do something. I think LeBron uh, could be a tight end pretty quickly. Um, end five it. years ago, I would have agreed with you. Yeah, his but knees based on the flop man. that he had, was what, who was that? That was it. Was it Peyton Pritchard? Who was the guy that like barely touched him and he like? <laughs> no, it was Grayson Allen. That's who it was. And this will shock you. Grayson Allen like barely touched him. LeBron flopped to the floor. I don't know that he has the physicality to uh, to go do that anymore. But five I, I got, years ago, I, got, I would have agreed with you.
1: I got two names for you. Zion, I think, could do something in the NFL. Okay. With, yeah. With with that with that build mm-hmm. and. The next greatest of all time, Patrick Mahomes, I think, could play baseball.
2: There yeah. you go. That's a more recent
1: one. Nah, uh, that is true. That how is
2: about true? He was clocked. I think the, la- the last time that he was at a baseball event, he was clocked at throwing 95. So.
6: Right. Exactly. Well, after the Buccaneers ended his career, that might be uh, the, the the right move for him. So
5: <laughs> Wasn't Kyler Murray kind of in the same boat there? Yep. Yeah, he's a yeah, first real. overall draft. He was a first round pick by the
2: A's.
6: All right, uh, running out of time, but real, real quick. Last topic. Uh, last week, some Floridians spotted an unidentified, unidentified, unidentified <laughs> flying object off the Atlantic coast. Uh, but turned out it wasn't unidentified for long, as the U.S. Navy later confirmed that they were firing off a an unarmed ballistic missile from a submarine. But with everything coming out of the Pentagon about Navy fighter jets observing UFOs from a few years ago. What do you guys make of this latest incident? And of course, the kicker is: is there other life out there? I'll ask. Leave it to you guys oh. to solve this issue.
2: We don't have time. We don't have time to go down this rabbit hole again. I mean, I, we, <laughs> we, we've we've spun around this drain so many times on this show. Uh, I think we all kind of kind of know where our stance is on that by now. The thing that really got me was the uh, the thing that was found. Was it in Utah, Greg? Was that what that yeah, thing was found? That- Look like the Southwest a, 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 uh, yeah, that, Airlines deal. Yeah, that thing. That thing <laughs> spun me, spun me for a loop. So, look, I'm the, all for. I'm all for it.
1: The Pentagon has been testing material discovered from UFO crashes, according to a Freedom of Information Act filed within the last two weeks. <laughs>
2: oh, there is, man, light. we
1: are not, we are not alone, Tim. We're not <laughs> alone. That's
6: what I was looking for.
0: <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. <laughs> Tonight it's the Nebraska women's basketball show right here on the Husker Sports Network.
7: Sam off the bounce, long jumper, good line drive with two seconds to go in the quarter. Sam Hybe gives Nebraska their biggest lead at nine as we go to quarter number two.
0: Our weekly look inside Husker women's basketball
7: delivers deep left side. Sam Hybe will tee up a three. You. Betcha! Sam Hybe with a big time triple.
0: With the head coach, Amy Williams.
7: Hilliard foul line extended right side. Takes Ruby Porter off the bounce. Angles in. blocked. KK blocked it. Into the hands of Hybe. Huskers running. Sam goes down the right lane line. Can't she finish? No, it was deflected. Cravens a rebound and puts it back. Bella Cravens has six. Big Red blowing out the Badgers by 20.
0: Sponsored in part by your Midwest Ford Dealers. Visit online at yourmidwestforddealers.com. Now here's your host, Matt Cotney.
7: And we welcome you to the Nebraska Women's Basketball Radio Show here on a very cold Monday night. Amy Williams is with us. We'll take your calls and your texts at 531-500-4686 for the full hour. And I want to talk about career paths, Amy Williams, before we get going here. Um, you've known me now for five years and you know that when I grow up, I want to be a meteorologist, you know, it's what I want to be when I grow up, except today because nobody likes meteorologists, but I have to think you're the smartest person I know because (laughs) you could have wanted to have become a softball coach, a baseball coach, a football coach, but no, you said even when it's minus minus ten thousand degrees kelvin or whatever it is today we practice inside as a basketball coach so no matter how cold it is when you walk from your car into the hendrix complex or pinnacle bank arena it's 72 degrees so did when you thought about your career path did you think about that did you ever i mean did you ever want to be an outdoor sports coach
8: No, I didn't. And to be quite honest with you, uh, my brothers both played college baseball. And so I watched the times that they were literally, um, you know, tasked with having to shovel their uh, infield (laughs) off and and get out and, you know, things like that. I thought to myself, yeah, no, even just, um, you know, having to sit at some of their baseball games during the spring um, at times, and I would freeze to death. I, you know, It was pretty early on that I liked the climate-controlled aspect of basketball.
7: <laughs> it's a great time to be a basketball coach. We'll take your calls and your text at 531 500 Amy Williams is here for the full hour. Huskers are scheduled to appear at Northwestern on Wednesday night. It sounds like uh, a rock band scheduled to appear at the Sprint Center in Kansas City. Northwestern had their last game at Ohio State Sunday canceled due to COVID protocols. We'll talk about Northwestern during the hour. It's been a tough stretch for the Big Red. They lost to uh, a ninth-ranked Maryland team yesterday, 95-73 at Pinnacle Bank Arena. First of all, I credit Maryland for getting here. Uh, There have been a lot of teams that have had to miss games because of COVID-19 protocols or other strange reasons, and I saw the tweet when Maryland left, most teams don't leave the day of the game. They took off from Maryland, what looked like a sheet of ice on the tarmac, and I think they got here about five hours before the game, and I know you don't want to lose, but I credit the Terrapins for getting here. Was there any talk about that game getting postponed yesterday, Coach?
8: There was really no never never any talk about that. And I think, you know, the one thing that has been kind of fun to watch is just, you know, they've they've shown to be incredibly motivated to still play games. And I think, you know, that's something that, you know, we've always you know, we respect and we also, you know, this year um there's a lot of kind of um you know in and out with, with, um, you know, teams, you know, whether they can play or not play and games being canceled or postponed. And I think Maryland showed, um, a great commitment to want to play the game and and it had been a while, uh, 10 12 days something like that since their last ball game and um, you know we're glad that they made the effort that they did to to get here and fly here um, from the east Coast you know on game day and um, that we were able to kind of stay on task and and uh, remain one of I guess maybe two teams in the league now that um, have not had to have any of our games um, conference games postponed uh, due to covid so uh, you know it's' um, uh, or other reasons, I guess this year. So it's it's um, you know we're we're grateful for their effort to get here, and and obviously we would have lo- loved to see a, a much different outcome, and and there were some things that they really exposed for us, and and um, you know, but I think we can take a lot from this game on our quest to become the best version of ourselves, and and um, you know, keep getting better.
7: You know, when I got ready for Maryland. I said, and I said this on the air, uh, most people talk about them being the number one scoring offense in the country, and and they demonstrated that. They're almost right on their average at just over 90 points a game. But I think their defense is very underrated, and I said they do a great job of using the sidelines as a third defender. If you get up against the sideline, they'll trap you, and then it's two people and the sideline is a third defender, and they change their defense quite a bit. Um and and then defense turns into offense. How difficult was it to try and deal with their defense yesterday?
8: Yeah, I mean, they do some things that are just different. They switch every screen one through five, uh, you know, which is, you know, we haven't seen that um, from any teams. And then just when you think you have, you know, mismatched situations and you try to take advantage of it, they're really, really good about, you know, helping to the mismatches and things like that, you know, and recovering quickly. I think uh, they really um, show quite a bit of Pressure and, you know, so we thought one of the positives that we really kind of took away from the game is that um, even with I'm with you, Matt. You know, is just you know their defense is potentially um, underrated and how often that their defense leads to offense for them and um, you know for our team to come out with 21 assists and 12 turnovers. Against that type of defense and and that situation uh, was something that we felt like was a positive and something that we could build on and take from the game. There were many things that we need to do better, but that was something that um, that we felt uh, like was a was something that we could build on.
7: Visiting with Amy Williams tonight. The phone number, if you'd like to talk to Coach Williams, is 531-500-4686. And the Sports Nightly Hotline is brought to you by Woodhouse Auto Family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. I have to think it was tough for you yesterday in trying to, you know, the phrase I'd use is pick your poison because – you know, Kitty Benson's the best three-point shooter in the conference, if not the nation. She didn't get a three-pointer in the game. Yet here's Mimi Collins, and it just – I kept seeing 17-foot jumper, and I don't know if that was the correct measurement or not, but Jeff is like, yeah, they've all been from about 17 feet. To me, you've got to let them have something. You tried to take away – it looked like you did a pretty good job taking away the three, but – you know, Collins steps out there and hits five or six mid-range jumpers. Was was that kind of the the mindset yesterday? Is we're going to give some things up and try to take away some other things from Maryland?
8: Yes, I mean there there is kind of an element to that. You know, you play numbers, you play statistics. You know, you you try to figure out. Okay, let's try to take this away, and in the process of doing that, we make you know, give up this and, you know, and um, last night it felt like that, um, you know, what we had kind of decided to give up and and giving, you know, Mimi Collins kind of the the mid to extended range jumper, which she has shown to be capable, but uh, we just felt like playing on the numbers that, that that was kind of our best philosophy. And you know, she hit nine mid-range jump shots, you know. So, um, you know, they, they made us pay. They, they were very balanced scoring. They uh, were very, very good in transition. And, um, and that was something that, you know, we knew was going to be critical to the game. And we still didn't um, find a way to really, you know, get that locked up the way we knew we would need to if we wanted to win.
7: Maryland uh, had a lot of momentum going into the half, and I thought they were very motivated because they were trying to get Brenda Freeze uh, career win number 500 at Maryland, which broke Chris Weller's record. But then I thought your team came out of the locker room And punched right back with a nice ain't nothing run, eleven quick points to start the third quarter. Asked you a little bit about this on the post game show yesterday, but just sort of what was the message in the locker room? What was the feeling? Because your team came out with a lot of energy to start the third quarter.
8: Yeah, I mean, I think the big thing is is that you know we talked about um, you know what character. You know, what do we want the character of this program to be? What do we want, you know, the character of of our team and the individuals on it? You know, are we you know, fighters or are, are we ones that are going to, you know, cave and, and we need to be the team that's tough. And when they get physical that we buck up and say, okay, this is the way, you know, we can play this way, you know, and, and um, you know, you, you want to punch then, okay, fine, let's fight. You know, we, we're going to, we're going to dig in and keep fighting. And I thought uh, we did a good job there in, in a stretch coming out and really, um, showing great focus and cutting the game to you know back to a 10 point game and, and putting ourselves in a position. Now, um, you know we've we've said very often here lately that you know we can't dig ourselves holes and then be constantly playing from behind. And you know our best basketball and the success and the ones we came out, in the wind column were ones where we were able to get off to a good start and and not dig ourselves big holes. But uh, the one thing we want to know is that, you know, we're never going to lay down. We're never going to back down and we're going to keep fighting for 40 minutes. And I thought um, our kids did show that. 531-500-4686.
7: 531-500-4686. If you'd like to talk to the coach, you can also text at that number on our U.S. Cellular text line. Brought to you by U.S. Cellular. Proud to be the official wireless sponsor of the Huskers. U.S. Cellular, connecting Husker Nation. Uh, really good uh, game by Izzy Bourne, um, Amy, yesterday. Had her third career career a double-double all this year, a career-high five assist. It seems to me, Izzy, if she's not all the way back to the level she was playing uh, before she had the injury, that she's pretty close. Did did you see her where you had to limit her minutes, or do you think she's almost back to where she was?
8: Yeah, no, I think the great news is um, I did not feel like I had to really – worry about or you know limiting minutes at all and and I felt really good about you know I think there are some times where maybe on a certain move and she's pushing off that left leg where I would He'll kind of see that you know she maybe doesn't have quite the explosion that she had uh, before the injury, but I felt like yesterday was as close as we've seen her back, and maybe one of her best games ever in a Husker uniform with just uh, the competition level that we were going against, and uh, five assists, and like we mentioned, no turnovers against that um, that pressure kind of defense, and uh, finding ways to really contribute with points and rebounds, and you know being aggressive. But, you know, her career high in assists and no turnovers, um, I think, was was probably the best thing um, of a well-rounded and balanced game out of Izzy.
7: You might just want to recruit five Aussies to play Maryland next time. Ruby Porter, uh, you start her yesterday. She has a career high, 19 points. And, um, you know, again, I I asked you about this yesterday on the post-game show, but it bears repeating you know, Ruby started while Izzy was out. Now, yesterday, she takes the place in the starting lineup at Bella Cravens. And, you know, Jeff Grease and I were kind of talking about, well, is that more about the matchup? Is it Bella Cravens is kind of dinged up? Is it Ruby has earned playing time? Uh, I know you've been impressed by, by Ruby. I, I think this is as much as anything. She's earned playing time with the way she's performing games and practice, hasn't she?
8: I agree with that. I agree with that. I mean, just a absolute combination. I think she has shown, um, you know, that when she's gotten opportunities and, and in the games that we've had Ruby in the starting lineup, she's really, you know, stepped up. And those have been some of her uh, best games with just assistant turnover, you know, playing um, aggressive, but yet under control. And, and, you know, so it looks, you know, it's, she is a getting opportunity and really taking advantage of the opportunity when she has. And so um, that's awesome to see. She's uh, been, you know, working, you know, she's been doing what she needs to do outside of practice and, and, you know, taking, um, you know, great care to, you know, be aggressive and continue to compete in practice. Um, and I think, you know, just in addition to that, um, we did have, um you know, Bella that we were trying to kind of uh, monitor and nurse, and she's just a little dinged up and trying to kind of, you know, but I think Ruby's done just a fabulous job of taking advantage of the opportunities presented to her.
7: I mean, there was a lot of uh, Australian flavor on the floor yesterday. Chloe Bibby was out there. I have to imagine Ruby and Izzy have ran into Chloe Bibby at some point, or did they talk at all about knowing her or what's their relationship? Do you know?
8: Yeah, I mean, I think they're familiar with Chloe and her game. And, and, you know, I mean, obviously, um, you know, there's a lot of pride in Australia and they play great basketball over there. And there's a familiarity um, with, you know, players that have left and come over to uh, the United States and, and, um, you know, had good college careers and stuff. So I think, you know, there's uh, most definitely a familiarity there, um, you know, but that's something, you know, I don't know that um, it was really – a tight personal relationship there okay. between yeah. you know okay. Chloe and either one of the girls, but um, they most definitely kind of uh, know who each other is and, and much about their game. So.
7: You know, the, usually I ask questions I think fans would want to know. These are questions I wanted to know. I don't ever get to see you. I don't get to sit on the bus. I don't get to just hang out at practice and go, hey, how well do Ruby and is he no Chloe Bibby? So maybe we'll get this, the show back to where fans actually you know the questions I think fans want to answer. This is like the Matt cotney just asking me things that just I want to know about I, the team. But
8: <laughs> well, I know. I mean, there's there's so much conversation that we miss out with not being in the gym together and on road trips together, and and so I, I understand that. Yeah,
7: yeah, I'm doing a I'm doing a lot of guessing. I'll tell you that. What are Allison Widener's attributes that will enable her to make the jump from Class D-2 in Nebraska to the Big Ten? So Allison Widener is one of your uh, incoming recruits for the fall, who is uh super state at Humphrey St. Francis here in Nebraska. So he wants to know what are her attributes that uh, will let her make that big jump.
8: Yeah, well, um, you know, Allison is just a um, – Phenomenal player that just has a great feel for the game. Um, She's really, really good in the open court about trying to, you know, find, you know, alleys and avenues to be able to create for herself and for others. Um, She is a Really good defensive player um, by instinct. You know, she she has lots and lots of steals and creates a lot of things. But when she played, uh, moved over to play all Nebraska attack, that was just amped up about 20-fold um, because uh, that that program demands um, you better you better play hard on defense or or else um, you're 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 probably not going to get to play. Um, so. Um, I think she's she's developed a real confidence about herself at Humphrey St. Francis, playing in a winning program and a winning tradition for an outstanding coach that mixes up, you know, things defensively, has outstanding game plans. She knows how to game prep. She's, you know, really prepared. And then she um, goes in the summer and plays, you know, with another program where um, she's playing with and against, you know, some of the best players in the in the country and it gives her that added challenge of kind of, um, you know, having to, to raise her level against different competition and, you know, different. And so I think all of those experience kind of coupled together are really going to benefit her as she ma- makes that transition to, um, to college basketball, but she's a great athlete who can run and jump. She's a state champion track athlete that really has great um great speed and lift and you know just a really good feel for the game and she makes herself and everybody around her that much better and that's why we're so excited about her
7: here's a reminder about dorothy lynch home style and light and lean dressing endless flavor dorothy lynch is a. Uh... Longtime sponsor of the Nebraska Women's Basketball Radio Show. Amy Williams with us. So, you know, speaking about incoming freshmen, you've got Kendall Coley as an early enrollee freshman, and uh, you got her in the last two games uh, in the first half. Yesterday, uh, more playing time than she's had. She scored her first points, looking a lot more comfortable out there. How has it been trying to get Kendall not only more involved in everything, but getting her in and – you know, significant parts of the game like she's been the last two games?
8: Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's just important for, you know, like her development and every um, opportunity, every rotation that she gets to come out there and and kind of gain some experience is just, um, you know, quality experience for for her future. And so I feel great about that. But um, the way I felt is that you know, she's been uh, working and working and working to, um, to, you know, to try to get up to speed. And I've just been so thrilled with that. I think, um, you know, her instinctively, as she first came in, her head was spinning exactly like <laughs> it would be for anybody that was trying to learn, uh, the 60 plays that we have in up to this point, you know, um, in a, in a matter of minutes and things like that, you know, but, um, uh, I think, you know, the, the work that she's put in, coming in extra, you know, she'll come in and she'll, she'll ask, you know, Coach uh, Love, can I get in a, in a, a skill workout, you know, and, and then she comes in to get shots and work on her game. But um, at the end, you know, he's always challenging her. Okay, so now we're running tilt and I'm here and you're this and, you know, and, um you know, and she's just, he gives her a couple extra quizzes a day on just, you know, kind of getting more comfortable. And, and I've noticed, that the last couple of games and and opportunities that she's gotten out there and just really even in practice is as she's getting more comfortable with that stuff and she's not having to think quite so much about you know, where I'm supposed to be and, and you know, running the play the right way that now she's able to just think, okay, am I open on this and can I make a play right here? And, oh yeah. When, you know, when I catch the ball, I thought she made a really nice entry pass into the post and in, in the game yesterday. And, you know, she can just be herself and affect and impact the game um, because she can play and not have to think quite so much.
7: Have you heard from any of her I guess there's still her incoming classmates from the freshman class of what's going to be 21-22. Uh, like Don in, in, in Scottsdale was asking about um, Allison Widener. Have you heard from people like Widener or maybe Alexis Markowski or Kendall Moriarty about how this is going, having um, you know somebody who was in high school just a few weeks ago playing with you, or are they too busy with their own seasons right now, do you think?
8: Yeah, I mean, to be quite honest with you, you know, like I think, you know, Kendall's situation is so different. I mean, obviously, our Nebraska girls were, you know, more than halfway done or into, you know, their um, just tremendous, tremendous senior seasons for them uh, before Kendall, you know, season in Minnesota was even thinking about getting started. And so, you know, I think that, you know, we have two Nebraska kids coming in that 2021 recruiting class that, by the way, have... um, that have a great chance to make run for state championships and they're motivated to want to be state champions and um you know that's an experience that we are thrilled and wanting for those kids to be able to experience and uh kendall moriarty uh just got to get her uh season started in um in illinois and and playing for you know one of the best programs in Um, the country at Bennett Academy and, and some really, really good players have have come out of that program and they just kind of got their season kicked off. And, you know, so I think, you know, and, and Tati, you know, has, um, has been working hard. I think in talking, you know, we talked to all of them about the specifics about why, you know, this made sense for Kendall and, and she, you know, had the opportunity to graduate um, while all of those, other young ladies are still working towards graduation and um, finishing out their senior years, you know, on a bang. And then, um, but I think that the one thing that's unique about it is that Kendall will have um, just that, you know, and she was just very adamant, like, coach, I want to make sure that, um, you know, when those kids come in that I can still room with them, you know, I mean, those, (laughs) those five young ladies already have kind of a tight, you know knit um kind of um chemistry and and she's like i want to make sure that when they get here that i can still you know room with them you know and i said absolutely i think that you know she'll have even more kind of um she'll be more helpful you know as a as a second time freshman next year you know or she knows where to go for um you know training table or this uh you know um you know training room or, you know, things that, you know, they're normally figuring out together, I think Kendall will be able to direct them in the right direction.
7: Amy Williams is with us on the Nebraska Women's Basketball Radio Hour. Uh, Buckle up and put the phone down, a reminder from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. You mentioned rotations as it uh, relates to Kendall Coley. I've just kind of been wondering, has it been tough Lately, you know, you put Kendall in a couple of times in the first half. You know, Bella, you, you kind of talked about uh, her minutes have been limited. You had Ruby a start. How tough has it for you been lately trying to find the right combinations? Because you can't always have, you know, players just – you can't just plug in players as much as you'd like to. I mean, in a perfect world you could. Or is that you know? Would you like to be able to do that? Or how tough has it been trying to find the right rotations out there?
8: Yeah, I mean, I think this year has been a extreme, or, or a unique, I guess, challenge compared to others, and and um, you know, I think that's for across the board for really every team is that you know, you know, COVID this year has um, put. A lot of teams into a position where it's kind of like, okay, uh, who's going to be available to us for practice for uh, for this game, this game, you know? But I think for our team in general, it's just been a few injuries here, a few tweaks here, and trying to you know monitor here. And I think you know sometimes not everybody understands that. Okay, we're really trying to you know we've got somebody who's a little dinged up. We're going to try to do our best to try to um, you know limit this kid minutes for this and it might be that we're making a conscious effort for somebody like a Michael Caton who has come off of three straight years of very serious injuries and now she's cleared and you know some might think okay well she's cleared well you just you just play her you know you just play her whenever it fits and whenever she's the right player for the rotation you know but when you're trying to weigh out just you know some of those things like you know okay well let's let's not give too much too soon that could kind of set us back. And now she has to miss a couple of days of practice trying to get the swelling back out or do, you know, like, um, so just kind of trying to find those balances um, for, for several players at once and, and, you know, okay, let's ease Izzy back into things. Let's um, try to find a way to, you know, um, And then, you know, like playing certain players in positions that, you know, you know, and mixing some things around and and, you know, but I think when you're playing with um, seven healthy bodies, it's kind of like there's not a lot of decisions that go into it. (laughs) It's kind of who's who's with survival mode it's like okay you know let me just try to get this kid a quick minute and and then she's gonna have to go back in for this kid for you know to give her a quick break to come over and refuel and grab a splash of water and you know move you know Uh, but then when you have some more people that become available to you and you're starting to make decisions based on you know who brings the best thing in the right situation um, you know usually by this time of year you have you have most of that all figured out and ironed out but Um, I just think there's been some up and down and some unique injury things that have made that a little bit more challenging this year than it usually is.
7: Jamie Williams, I'm Matt Cotney.